You're listening to Father Kirby Longo's Homilies, powered by Mountain Catholic. Father Kirby is a priest of the Roman Catholic Diocese of Helena and pastor of Christ the King University Parish in Missoula, Montana. Our scriptures today set the stage for a theomachy, which is a battle of the gods. And this isn't this always our sort of default vision of the world, of how the world works? that it seems to be a sort of equal battle between good and evil. And many of the Eastern religions actually propose this to be the sort of structure of the universe. That the yin and yang, I guess, is the, is the sort of easiest representation of this image. The idea of light and darkness circling around one another with in equal amount, uh, always chasing and circling, but never overcoming one another, that there's sort of equal forces at work in the universe. And this idea sort of seems right when we look at the way the world works in all of its brokenness. It actually would seem that good and evil are only on, on an equal footing when the world's at its best. The scriptures today explain this feeling and why it's legitimate to feel this way, but also why it's not true. You know, the first reading is the culmination of the story of Elijah. Elijah, the great prophet. You know, just this past Thursday, in the Feast of the Transfiguration, we see Jesus up on the top of the mountain, and he's revealing his divinity briefly to the, to the three closest apostles, the sort of inner circle of apostles. And with him is Moses, representing the law, and Elijah, representing the prophets. Elijah is the great prophet. Uh, and how, do we, how did Elijah end up you know, by himself on Mount Sinai? He's running from the murderous queen Jezebel. Because... Just before he went up this mountain, he had a face-off with the 450 prophets of Baal and ended up slaying all 450 of them. And so he's on Mount Carmel, facing off against the powers of Jezebel, you'd say the powers of evil, and the false gods. There's one of him representing Israel, and there's 450 representing Baal. And so, like the world, the powers of evil seem to have overwhelming forces uh, when it comes to the battle with the powers of good. But the prophets of Baal erect their altar, uh, and they lay their sacrifice upon it, and they start dancing around and wounding themselves, calling upon their God, and there's no answer. The whole time, Elijah's mocking them, you know, yell a little louder, maybe he's asleep. You know, maybe he's in the privy. Where is he? Uh, there's no answer. Finally, it's Elijah's turn. He sets up his altar. Uh, he lays the sacrifice upon it. And he commands that they pour just huge amounts of water on the sacrifice. And remember, if you know the story of Elijah, they've been in a drought for three years. It hasn't rained for three years. And he's pouring out all their water on the sacrifice until it's pooling on the ground. 
Uh, so he's kind of setting up an all-or-nothing situation for himself here. Uh, he's not really a crowd favorite at the moment. And, but he calls upon God, and the whole thing's consumed. The, the animal sacrifice, the wood, the stones, all the waters lapped up by the fire that comes down from heaven. And so we see a proclamation, not of, not of just a victory of God, but that there is only one God. Uh, it's not a battle between good and evil. There's only God. Uh, it's not equal footing. Uh, but Elijah responds to that situation by then slaying all 450 of the prophets of Baal, and so he's on the run. And he's at the entrance of the cave to Sinai, and he's waiting for God to pass by. Uh, and, it's, and it's a beautiful and interesting story. He sees the wind crushing rocks. He sees the earthquake. He sees the great fire. And God's not in any of those things, which is interesting because, you know, God just was in the fire. God has been in the earthquake before. God has shown up in those ways. He has manifest himself in those ways. But that's not primarily how he communicates. And he's showing Elijah this right now. Elijah endures and waits out all those things. And then God speaks in the silence. And the Hebrew for that still small voice, that, that's how we translated it into English, the Hebrew is much more subtle. It's something like God speaks in literally the perfect silence. In, he speaks in the nothingness. Uh, so we look forward to the gospel. Jesus sends his disciples ahead that he might have some time in solitude. Uh, he was looking for it earlier, but the crowds came and they, and they needed him, and so he served them. But he, now he needs some time with his father. So he sends, sends the disciples ahead, out in the boat. And that's in the evening that they start to get beat up by the waves. And then he comes to them in the fourth watch, which is about 3 to 6 a.m. So they've been out on the water for 8 to 10 hours, just getting beat up. And they're being beat up by the storm in a way that they're about to be overwhelmed. You know, like right on the edge of, of losing the battle. And so the storm is presented here as a sort of Baal, as a sort of God. The storm God, which is trying to sort of take down the apostles. Uh, and, and so we see this sort of stage set again for a battle of the gods. Uh, the primordial you know, pagan gods against, against Jesus. Good against evil. And in the middle of this, Jesus appears walking calmly and peacefully on the waves of the storm. And of course, the disoriented disciples are terrified when they see him. But he says, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. And then he steps into the boat and the storm dies. That's, what that, that's the wording that gospel uses. When Jesus steps into the, into the boat, the storm dies. Again, it's not a battle. It's not a, a battle of equal footing. Uh, it's not the yin and the yang. Uh, it's God and his absolute supremacy just finishing uh, what never really started. And this story is, uh, as one commentator says, it's restructured to deploy one truth, the unquestionable and eternal supremacy of the incarnate word. But, so why do we think this way, though? Why do, why do we often get stuck seeing the world as this sort of battle between good and evil 
where God isn't necessarily going to win. It's, it's a question of faith for us. You know, do we actually believe in what the cross did for us? Do we actually believe that the battle's already been won by Jesus? Are we convinced in our hearts that that's the case? That evil has been overcome and subdued? Or are we sort of cowering before the storm, wondering if Jesus is really going to show up? Because we look... Look at what happens when we can make that shift to believing that Jesus is in control of the situation. Uh, We see Peter, who's in the boat. He's just as terrified as the rest of the disciples. But when he finally sees and understands that it's Christ and that he has power over this storm, then he switches from being terrified in the boat to being willing to step out of the boat and try to walk on the water. Uh, And then he does. You know, he says, Lord, command that I come to you on the water. And Jesus says, come. And he gets out of the boat and he starts walking on the water. But then again, he, he gets scared. He looks around at the storm. He loses his focus on Christ. And that's when he starts to sink. It's a, it's a sort of immeasurable shift from that fear to that confidence. But then he sort of loses it again. And, and, and what happens there? His senses are overwhelmed by the fear that comes from the sort of immediacy and, and hugeness of the storm. So what's, what's being said in our, in our scriptures for us? What, what are we taking from these things? I think that, that when it comes to believing that God is supreme in the universe, that that his providence really does rule and that we can be confident in that amidst everything that's happening in the world. Uh, We have to trust that when our senses are overwhelmed, that that isn't necessarily reality. Our world's really good at overwhelming us uh, with with depressing things, with anxiety, uh, and hitting us in all of our senses in the things that we see, the stories that we hear, uh, the news is constantly bombarding us with things that are going to produce in us an an intense anxiety and a belief that the world is pure chaos. That's always the goal. We've got rascal walking around the church here. It's chaos. And it seems unstoppable. But like Elijah when we see this, this earth rending the rocks or the storm or the fire, we just have to endure the chaos because the silence will follow after. The chaos doesn't last forever. Just endure until the silence comes and the Lord can speak. Or like the apostles, even in the midst of the storm, even when the storm is at its peak, we can still look out and see Christ walking peacefully upon it. And if we have that, that faith, we too can step out of the boat and walk on the water as long as we don't let the storm overwhelm our senses and and convince us that God isn't really in control of the situation. So let us have that confidence when we go out into the world. Uh, Seems chaotic. It seems like evil is just as strong as good. Uh, But it's not the case. Christ has already conquered. So we have faith that that's the case and then we We must be willing to step out of the boat in faith. Amen. Thank you for listening to Father Kirby Longo's homilies. 
To support the work of Mountain Catholic, please visit paypal.me/mtncatholic. paypal.me/mtncatholic.